0: hey guys just before we get started i wanted to kind of put a swear warning because i realize i do in fact swear a lot and i just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child and also i'd like to say uh sorry mom (laughs) let's get started with the episode hello everyone welcome back to the long may shireen podcast i'm hated i'm your host for this podcast um. I hope everyone's doing well. Thank you guys so much for the feedback on my last episode. You guys seem to really like uh, my Mother's Day episode. I hope I can bring my mom back because you guys seem to uh, like her so much. It was really fun uh, having her record and I-, I can't wait to do more stuff with her. Um, I had a pretty good week this week, actually. So my little brother He's 15. He's going to be turning 16 this November. He's been, like, really curious about, like, uh, driving... And stuff And since I've already gone all through this He's been like asking me a lot of questions Like about cars and like driving And the tests that he was going to do So uh we were really bored uh Wait when did we do it? Just a couple of days ago we were really bored I was like do you want me to take you out on a drive And like show you some of the stuff you're going to learn And he was like yeah Which I didn't think he'd want to do Because he'd rather stay in his room playing video games So um, I took him out uh on the road and I I think I taught him some stuff I think I did a good job I took him out to the city we live uh nearby I took him on the highway to show him how the highway works I even taught him so you know how when you're in a car and if you don't hold on to the brake the car will still move because the motor is running he didn't know that and he was like what no way I didn't know a car did that so I think I taught him some stuff I'm being a good big sister look at me (laughs) <laughs> um, other than that, it's been a pretty mediocre week. I mean, we're, we're opening our pool today. We probably won't uh, actually get to swim in it for a couple of days, which is fine. But I, I'm really glad I have a pool out. So <laughs> I'd be pretty bored for the rest of the summer if we have to spend it in quarantine. Um, okay. Anyway, let's get right to our topic. Today we are discussing Dido Elizabeth Bell. Lindsay. Now, uh, I first discovered her from a movie that was on Netflix, uh, called Belle that's about her life, and I watched it, I loved it, and I've always wanted to, uh, discuss her, so I thought today would be, uh, the perfect opportunity. If you want to go watch that movie, you totally should. It's not exactly historically accurate to, uh, Dido's life, uh, because there's just so little known about her. We're gonna be doing a lot of guessing today. And a lot of theorizing because there's just really not that much documented on her. But um, I'm really excited to talk about her. She was the daughter of a slave and the daughter of a white man. And she may have even been the reason for slavery getting abolished in the British Empire. So let's get into her story. Okay, so Dido Elizabeth Bell Lindsay was born in 1761 at some point. (laughs) Uh, We don't really know her birthday, which is the first time on this podcast that we don't know one of our topic's birthday. Um, I was trying to search around to see if there was, like, a possible uh, birth date that, like, anyone would have put out there. I saw a couple guesses uh, that was, like, June maybe? And also, we don't know where she was born, but I'm gonna, I have a theory about where she, uh, might have been born. Um, her parents were Maria Bell, who was an African slave brought to the Caribbean, and a white man named Captain, uh, Sir John Lindsay. Uh, what we can tell you about her birth is that Sir John Lindsay was definitely her father. Uh, and Maria Bell was, uh, definitely her mother because, uh, Captain Sir John Lindsay said it himself and he claimed her. Um, I found two different theories for, uh, where she was born, um, so it's, she was either born in England or the Caribbean, uh, but I'm gonna get into, uh, the different theories and, like, why I think one is more, <coughs> Sorry one is more valid about where she was born. Now, uh, since we can't talk about her zodiac sign because we don't have an actual birth date for her, I want to kind of break down her name because it's a very long and, uh, complicated name. It's her, like, baptized name. Like, like, my full name is Aiden June Fitzgerald. Uh, and she's died Elizabeth Bell Lindsay. So, uh, let's, uh, break down her name. <laughs> So, uh, Dido is obviously uh, her first name. She actually, it's a Greek baby name, and she shares the name with a lady called Dido of Carthage, who was a tragic queen, uh, a, actually a North African queen, which is actually very, uh, fitting, from a play written late 1549. Uh, quick summary of that play, uh, it doesn't really end well for that Dido. She actually ends up killing herself by the end of the play. I didn't read it all, but I know, uh, that that Dido ends up dying at the end, so interesting, uh, namesake. Um, her next name, her middle name, Elizabeth, was actually for her great-aunt, who is basically her surrogate mother, uh, Bell was obviously for her, uh, mother, I'm not quite sure if Maria Bell, like, Bell is Maria's last name, or it's, like, Maria Bell, and then she had a last name, but, like, we just don't know her, uh, last name, and Lindsay is, of course, her surname, which is, of course, her, uh, family's, uh, her father's family name, I'm sorry, I stuttered, uh, the reason we know her, like, full legal name is because she was actually baptized when she was five years old, um, no one actually knows who, like, named her, like, she could have been, like, called, uh, something else by her mother before, uh, she was, uh, baptized, but we literally have, uh, no idea, but when she was baptized, she did become Dido. Okay, so I want to talk a bit about her parents, because we, we do know a little bit about them, we know a lot more about, uh, Dido's father than we do about her mother, So, like I said, Dido's parents were Maria Bell and Captain Sir John Lindsay. Um, What we do know about Dido's uh, mother is that she was a slave. She was most likely a first-generation slave, which means Dido's mother was probably born in Africa and, like, not on, like, a plantation somewhere. Like, her parents probably weren't slaves. She was probably kidnapped from Africa. Uh, Dido's father was uh, Captain Sir John Lindsay. He was a white man who had been born into the Lindsay family, which is, like, this aristocratic family from Scotland. Dido's father was Scottish. Um, Dido's father joined the Navy very, very young, I believe, after, like... There was this, like, whole story that I read about why he wanted to leave. Apparently his, like, sister, like, married this guy that, like, she wasn't supposed to, and, like, it kind of, like, tore their family apart. So he kind of, like, ran away to join the Navy when he was super-duper young. Um, after that, he set off, like, all around the world. Like, he really liked traveling. He joined in on the Seven Years' War, which was probably fun, I guess. And after that, he was even knighted for his bravery. Um, we're not really sure exactly how Dido's parents met. Um, one, uh theory that seems to be thrown out there apparently uh someone actually knew this and wrote this down uh dido's parents may have met while uh captain sir john Lindsay was stationed in the caribbean uh where his ship uh captured a slave ship 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 i'm sorry (laughs) it's a ship uh where the captain might have captured a slave ship and dido's mom uh, was on it, and less than a year later, Tito was born, so we don't really have much information on the relationship uh whether it was loving or not there's one side where it could be that him and Maria fell in love, but there's also the other really bad option that it wasn't consensual, and that Counts Donnzi might have really liked to uh rape slaves or something like that uh I really hope it was consensual we just we just don't know because neither of them kept diaries and the captain, he didn't write about this, um, my choice is to believe that they were in love, or at least were fond of one another, and I think this is true because of how the captain treated Dido a lot later, and, uh, not to mention Captain Lindsay was actually apparently really handsome in his youth, like, I've seen portraits of him from when he was, like, 30-ish, and he was, he was kind of cute, so, like, it's completely possible that, uh, Maria Bell just, like, and him fell in love, and, uh, stuff, hold on, drink break, (laughs) all right, okay, so we're getting into a big move, uh, for Dido, so when Dido was about, uh, five years old, her father took her away, uh, back to, uh, London, uh, this is where Dido's birthplace and the fate of her mother gets really interesting, uh, most places say that Dido was born in the Caribbean, like I said, But there are other sources that say John took Maria Bell to England to have Dido. No one is sure, as her father never clarified this at all. But according to this guy named Thomas uh, Hutchinson, who was governor of Massachusetts, he actually uh, met Dido once and uh, talked to her eventual adopted father. And it seems, according to him, when he was talking to her adopted father, that she was born in London and she lived with her mother up until she was five. Um, Mr. Hutchinson there is gonna come up a lot, so, like, be prepared for him to pop up a couple of times in this story, because he's one of the top resources we have for documentation on Dido. Anyhow, uh, the reason Dido was actually taken from her mother is, like, really conflicting. Um, in the movie, I really don't want to talk too much about it, even though it's history, I don't want to spoil it too much, because it is a really fantastic movie. Um, in the movie, Dido's mother died, and that's why her father came back for her, and this was believed for quite a while, but there's a new theory that when Dido was taken away, her mother was actually, in fact, still alive. And it is it seems, according to a few documents, that uh, Captain Lindsay actually set up Maria with her own house in Pensacola, Florida, in 1773. So that would have been Dido was, like, about a teenager. Um, this is where Maria may have, like, lived and died, and... I heard even Captain Lindsay might have even bought her freedom, but no one's quite sure if this is true or not. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious, like, why would Captain, like, come back uh, for his daughter, like, if, if she was still living with her mother, and, like, it was fine, and her mother wasn't dead? Maybe Captain Lindsay just thought his daughter deserved more than, like, the life that she was given from her mother, like, I, I just had this, like, horrible idea, like, slaves that were free could get, like, kidnapped and sold back to slavery, like, all the time, and, like, Captain Lindsay, the thing is, he was off on deployments all the time, like, this man was busy, he was going off to different parts of the world all the time, and, like, I wonder if he was, like, afraid that, like, his daughter and, uh, the mother of his daughter were gonna get kidnapped and sold back into slavery so like maybe that's why he decided that it was in uh dido's best interest uh to uh send her away so uh in 1766 uh, dido's father brought her to his uncle's house who was dido's great uncle uh mr william murray first earl of mansfield Actually, I I had this weird thought. I wonder what Dido thought of her father. Because, like, I'm not sure if this was the first time she had ever met him. Like, maybe he had shown up, like, a couple of times when she was a little kid. But she probably didn't remember him. I wonder if she, like, liked him at all. Or, like, thought he was, like, cool. Like, I'm sure it must be strange to know you, like, have a father somewhere. And for him to just show up one day and bring you to, like, a whole different place away from your mom. Anyway. But... Dido being brought to her uncle's house is the reason why I think her father may have loved her mother, like, a lot more than we think, because he didn't seem to take as much care with his other children. That's right. (laughs) Captain Lindsay had more children. Dido was the oldest of his illegitimate brood and the most well-known, but she was not the only one. And to be (laughs) be honest, and this is completely my opinion, Captain Sir John Lindsay was kind of a slut, but it's Okay. (laughs) Um, Dido had uh, technically uh, four half-siblings One of her little brothers died as a kid And one of her other little sisters, uh, who's actually named Anne, died as a teenager But the ones that lived, she had a younger sister named Elizabeth And uh, another little brother uh, named John um, And the thing is, Captain John Lindsay never came back for any of those children Like They were born in Jamaica and they stayed there um, until they decided to get around themselves. Actually, Elizabeth eventually made it to Scotland herself, got married, and, uh, lived in Scotland, and, uh, his son John joined the East India Company as a sailor, so those kids were basically left to their own devices. Um, however, he did leave them some money later, but other than that, he didn't seem to participate in their lives as much as he did with Dido, so that's Kind of, like, my theory on, like, why he he might have actually been fond of Dido's mother. Okay, so now we get to talk about Dido's adopted father, Lord Mansfield, who is a really cool guy. And, yeah, I hadn't done much research on him before, but he, he is actually a pretty cool dude. So, um, when Dido arrived on her uncle's doorstep in 1766, he was, like, he was a really successful dude Like, in life in general. Uh, William Murray, as his birth name, had been born in Scotland to the aristocratic uh, Murray family. Uh, The the thing, how the Murray family kind of ties into Dido's life is uh, Dido's grandmother was a Murray and Dido's grandmother was lord mansfield here's sister so that's how they're related if you didn't know how that worked uh he was born into the murray family but the thing is he was born a third son and the thing about uh extra sons is that they don't get an inheritance they get about as much of an see with women it's a lot easier they could just like go and marry into another family and they'd be financially secure but the thing about other sons is that they just don't get the kind of money that firstborns are gonna get unless their like brother like really likes them and is willing to give them an allowance. So, uh, little William had no chance of inheritance, so he decided he'd move to London when he was about 13 years old. He actually paid for his own education, went to several top schools because he was just, like, that impressive. Uh, when he was 37, he entered politics for the first time, and, like, for years he'd been saying, no, I don't want to enter politics, I'm not a politic guy, but eventually he was kind of, like, bullied into entering politics because people just kind of thought he was that brilliant. Um, eventually in, uh, 1754, he became Lord Chief Justice, which is, like, the highest judge in the land, uh, in England, and they're, like, a really powerful person. I think the kind of equivalent to it is, like, the Supreme Court in the United States, like, the Supreme Court judge and stuff like that. Also, uh, before that, in 1738, he married his wife, Elizabeth, uh, Finch. We're gonna call her Lady Mansfield, because there's, like, more than one Elizabeth in the story, because everyone in Georgian England, was named Elizabeth, and everyone in Georgian England was named, like, John and William and shit. Uh, Lord Mansfield actually really loved his wife. Like, I, I read a couple of things about, like, how in love they were. Unfortunately, they had no children together, which was really unfortunate, because they really wanted children together. So, uh, when, uh, Captain Sir John Lindsay went to, uh, Kenwood House, which is, uh, where the Mansfield family lived... Uh, he, like, begged his uncle on his hands' knees to take his daughter. And I imagine they had reservations because this is, this is the 1700s and she's a black girl. Um, they did eventually agree to take her in, which uh, was uh, nice of them. So, uh, I want to talk about uh, Dido's childhood at Kenwood House, where she grew up. So, as soon as Dido was uh, brought in, she was baptized, like I said before, in London. Uh, we don't know... D- despite Dido living in the house for, like, nearly 30 years, we don't honestly have that much information about her childhood. Um, When Dido lived there, she was lucky enough to have a companion, actually. She did have a best friend. Uh, Lord Mansfield, literally that same year, had taken in uh, more than one niece of his. Lady Elizabeth, sorry, burp. Lady Elizabeth Murray was uh, Dido's blood cousin. Uh, She had been born in Poland in uh, 1760, uh, so she was about a year older than Dido, so she would have been about six years old when Dido showed up. Um, Elizabeth's mother had unfortunately died in 1766, and her father had left left little Elizabeth in his uncle's care. Uh, Just like Dido. Just like how Dido had been left in her uncle's care. Uh, They seem to be very close and grew up as sisters. We actually have one documentation of their closeness, and that's from Thomas Hutchison, governor of Massachusetts, who visited Kenwood House. Uh, He actually talks about uh, how Dido came in for coffee after dinner and walked arm-in-arm with one of the younger ladies, and the only younger lady that she would have ever walked arm-in-arm with uh, is Elizabeth. Uh it's a small look into their relationship, but I'm sure they're probably close. Uh despite this they were actually kinda treated rather differently, like under uh Lord Mansfield. Uh I think that Lord and Lady Mansfield really did try their best to treat them the same by giving Dido a similar education, which I'm gonna talk about uh and buying them the same fine clothes and furniture like when they went out shopping for silks they were almost always buying for two they tried to make Dido feel like a part of the family however uh Dido's allowance was actually much much smaller than her white cousin uh she wasn't brought up to be a servant even though she was technically a slave like no one had ever freed her and like you inherit slavery from your mother that's just kind of how it works uh, but other than that, she got a really good upbringing, and she was really lucky. Okay, so since we're talking about uh Dido's childhood, I kind of want to share more about where she grew up because it's such a beautiful estate. Uh, Kenwood House is like located like just outside London. Uh, it's actually still located outside modern London like, just on the outskirts in a village called Hempstead, um, it was built in 1616 by a man named John Bill, and eventually it was bought by Mr. William Bridges, who added, like, an orange tree grove, and he rebuilt the house that was originally on that property, eventually sold the property, and it was passed around for, like, five decades until the Earl of Mansfield, Uh, William purchased the property in 1754. Uh, Lord Mansfield had the place remodeled. He actually added a library for his extensive book collection and two new wings with offices and rooms. Uh, Dido probably would have spent her time, like, walking around through the gardens on the property and playing with Elizabeth on the huge park that surrounded the house because, like, it was the 1700s, and what else were you going to do other than go and play outside, right? All right. So, I told you we were going to talk about her education, and now we're going to. So, her education is really notable, because she had one, because she was the daughter of a slave. Like, slaves, they didn't get an education. I bet Dido's mother didn't even know, like, how to read. Um, She had a pretty standard education for a time. She actually probably got the same education as a... Uh, her cousin Elizabeth did. Uh, Dido was taught to read and write. She was also probably taught dancing and music. And uh, most girls were able to play the piano, so we can guess that she was probably able to play the piano herself. Um, and they were also taught uh, languages like Latin, Italian, and French. So uh, Dido might have been multilingual as well as speaking English. In- English and like maybe her mother even taught her some like African languages since her mother was uh, born in Africa and like she might have taught her daughter some African languages um, also rather strangely in her education she actually kind of became her uncle's like unofficial unofficial secretary which was unheard of for a woman at the time let alone a mixed woman to be a secretary to someone like the Lord Chief Justice of fucking England Uh, she was said to have dictated his uh, letters for him, which means, uh, she would have, like, read his letters to him and written letters for him, uh, which, this kind of just proves she was educated, which means she could read and write, which, like I said, most, uh, women of her color in this time period definitely couldn't do that. Um, sorry, where was I? Uh, like I said, she would have spent a lot of time in the library, uh, I think this shows she was smart, and Mansfield trusted her a lot, and he was very, very clearly proud of her. Um, Dido was actually, like, one of the rules, like, while she was living in the house, she was not allowed to dine with the family when they had guests over because apparently it was, like, such a formal proceeding and, like, they didn't want to offend their guests, which is, like, not cool them to do because it's just rude. Uh, she was allowed to join them after, like I said, when they had coffee and, like, were, like, entertaining because, like, it was a less formal proceeding. It was, like, very relaxed, so she was allowed to come in. Um, quite a few guests who noted uh, while they were there how proud of her he was, including Thomas Hutchison. Hey, he's back. And, uh, she and Elizabeth were said to refer to Mansfield as Papa, which is so cute. Um, one of Dido's actually, like, hobbies was, uh, managing the Milk and Dairy production, which, like, sounds, like, weird. Like, it sounds like they're making her do a chore because she's the daughter of a slave. Uh, but actually it's not, like, a rude or, like, racist thing that they made her do. It was actually a hobby that women of the time, uh, did. Did they like to uh, manage things on estates? It actually taught them how to manage a household so that they could be uh, good wives. Uh, She also probably would have enjoyed, like, sewing and embroidery, which is probably something her and Elizabeth would have done on, like, gloomy days. And they probably would have, like, talked and, like, had coffee and stuff like that. I also read that she probably would have gone to these things called pleasure gardens, which sounds really sexual, but I swear to God it's not. Um, So they were basically, like, public parks where people had, like, parties and lunch and they were open to absolutely anyone. Like, anyone could come in there, even, like, not free people. Uh, so that's where Dido probably would have spent her time. I don't know if she would have been, like, invited to, like, actual parties at people's houses. So, like, since she couldn't dine with, like, guests, I imagine that wasn't a thing. But she probably would have been able to go to, uh, pleasure, uh, gardens because they were open to everyone. But she probably still would have gotten some stairs because racist people will do as racist people do. Alright, so, the painting. What painting am I talking about? Well, I'm gonna tell you. So, in Sorry, that was weird. In 1779, when Dido would have been about 1819, um, a portrait was commissioned, I believe, by uh, Lord Mansfield to be painted of her and her cousin Elizabeth. And when it was eventually finished... Oh, by the way, this painting, like, I was, I was having such a tough time figuring out who painted it because they had, like, two possible uh, painters. Now, it's attributed to this guy named David Martin, but for, like, a long time, it was, like, apparently painted by, like, some other guy so that was, like, a whole thing I had to go through, um, when it was, uh, finished, it was, like, an oddity in the art world for the time period, because, like, Dido was painted, like, not like a slave, um, so on one side of the painting, I'm gonna kind of describe it, I'll, like, post a picture of it later for you guys when i uh publish this episode uh so on one side of the painting you have a lady elizabeth murray uh she's dressed very traditionally for her time period in a silk uh dress with a pearl necklace she has flowers in her hair um she's got blush on she was actually blonde she's very pretty um, no one ever looks good in portraits, but she did, and she extends kind of this, like, hand to, uh, Dido, who's on the other side of her, and Dido's kind of in this very strange pose, it, it's almost kind of like she's, like, running past Elizabeth, and Dido's also, like, pointing at her cheek and smiling, it actually kind of reminds me of the Mona Lisa, like, now that I, uh, think about it. And also, Dido's wardrobe is kind of, like, a sharp contrast to, um, Elizabeth's. Dido is wearing this thing called, like, a wrap gown, which is kind of like, it's kind of like a kimono in a lot of ways. Um, it was actually a pretty relaxed style of dress and was actually considered a very exotic, uh, style of gown. I actually, I wonder if this was, like, her choice like if she got like a wardrobe choice or this was like the painter's um idea also on dido's head she wears like this like lovely like turban on her head with like a black ostrich uh feather which is actually uh popularized like by marie antoinette actually speaking of marie antoinette i never thought about this but like dido and Marie Antoinette, like, our contemporaries, like, Marie Antoinette is, like, only, like, six years older than Dido, which is, like, trippy, right? (laughs) Um, I, speaking of that turban that I was just talking about, I read that the turban might have actually been a gift from, like, Dido's father, like, since he spent, like, so much time abroad, uh, he probably, like, sent her, uh, gifts back. Um, the whole portrait was so strange because, Dido was painted so weird for the time period. When black men and women were painted at this time, they were painted to be degraded. They were often shown in chains or bowing to white people or being whipped and awful shit like that. But the only known portrait we have of Dido shows in her shows her in a completely different light, that she was equal to her white cousin. And this was something we just didn't see at the time. In fact, Dido was painted to be a little taller than Elizabeth, which... The, was just something you didn't see at the time uh like I said this painting is the only like confirmed likeness uh we have on her and I kind of want to talk about her appearance uh because she was kind of written off as not very uh pretty and the reason we have that uh depiction of her is because of Mr. Uh, Thomas Hutcherson he's back, guys, um, who described her, and I quote, as neither handsome nor genteel, which is, uh, rude. I went in to- down a bit of a rabbit hole, uh, accidentally about, uh, Thomas Hutcherson because this quote kind of just, like, pissed me off, um, <laughs> so I read about him, he was governor of Massachusetts, I believe, and, like, he was a loyalist to the British Empire during the American Revolution, which could get you killed, um, so he fled to England under protection of the crown, and I wanted to Google if he owned slaves, and guess what he did? Uh, his house actually got, uh, ransacked, uh, during uh, the American Revolution because he was a loyalist, and, uh, all his slaves got to go free, <laughs> which was chill. Um, anyway, that, Quote that Thomas Hutchinson gave about Dido's appearance is basically 18th century, for he thought she was ugly. But to be fair, she didn't fit English beauty standards. Black women were never considered great beauties of the time because they weren't uh, white or fair haired or had blue eyes most of the time. Um, her portrait, on the other hand, she was a very pretty girl with dark eyes, medium skin tone, and a lovely smile, in my opinion, I think. She was very beautiful, and fuck Thomas Hutcherson. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, okay, so I want to kind of get into this, like, big part of her life. So, uh, a lot of people credit Dido with kind of being one of the big reasons that, uh, slavery, like, would have been abolished eventually. Like, she was one of the barrier breakers? Because her (laughs) adopted father happened to be the highest judge in the land. And we have to remember, at this time, Britain was at the height of the slave trade. It was their bread and butter, and no one was doing it like them. And with Lord Mansfield, like I said, being the highest judge in the land, a lot of cases of slavery came over his desk. And the two most famous that he presided over and were eventually... Uh, considered uh, great steps to the eventual abolition of slavery in 1833 was the Somerset case and the Zong Massacre. And the Zong Massacre is actually featured very heavily in the movie version of uh, Dido's uh, life. But honestly, I think the Somerset case is like a little more influential, so I'm going to talk about them. I'm sorry if you don't like legal stuff, but I really think it's honestly important to talk about these. Okay, so the Somerset A case came across Lord Mansfield's desk in about 1771. Dido would have been about 10 years old. Uh, So she probably wouldn't have had too much impact on this one because she was 10. Uh, The trial didn't start until about 1772. Basically, the case was about this uh, slave named James Somerset, who had been purchased by this guy named Charles Stewart. And Charles Stewart had brought uh, James to England so Charles could do whatever Charles was doing in England, and when James was brought to England, he actually escaped. Uh, but he was captured and arrested by his uh, master. I'm putting up air quotes, you can't see them, but I'm putting up air quotes around master. And he was arrested, and Charles Stewart decided he wanted to sell him because he was kind of sick of James's shit. Uh, luckily for uh, James, he had uh, gotten baptized. Um, and his godparents uh, made a petition to the courts that James' uh, imprisonment was unlawful. Uh, so they were able to get a trial. Uh, each side prepared their case. It actually gained a lot of attention in the media. And James actually got a lot of support in his case from the public. And a few abolitionist lawyers came to James' defense, which was uh, lucky for him. They argued... And this is very technical law stuff. I only took, like, one semester of law, so I'm clearly very qualified to talk about this. Um, Somerset's advocates argued that while colonial laws may permit slavery, that the laws of england nor any law made by parliament recognized the existence of slavery and therefore slavery was unlawful the advocates also argued that english contract law did not allow for any person to enslave himself nor could any contract be binding without the person's consent the arguments focused on legal details rather than humanitarian principles and when the two lie. Sorry, lawyers for Charles Stewart uh, put up their case. They argued that property was paramount and that it would be dangerous to free all the black people in England who numbered approximately 15,000 people lived in England at that time. It it wasn't very common in actual England to uh, keep slaves. It was way more common like pretty much everywhere else in the British Empire, not really on mainland England. Uh, Mansfield ruled in favor of James, which was really chill of him, and, uh, he was uh, let go. This, uh, ruling was considered a huge step in the abolition of slavery, like I said. Um, we're not sure how Dido might have felt about this ruling, considering, like I said, she was 10 years old. Uh, it might not even come across from notice, however, it was huge for the growing anti-slavery movement because a lot of people were, like, getting really sick of slavery. Because, like I said, it was at its height at this time. All right. So, the Zong Massacre. This one's a bit more uh, dramatic. So, the second major case to cross uh, Lord Mansfield's desk desk was the Zong Massacre. And while this one is a little bit less famous, it might have uh, caught Dido's attention. Um, I'm not quite sure how heavily involved in this she would have been. She probably would have had some influence. It might have even taken some interest in the case. Um, I doubt that she was really that important, but she probably would have noticed it since she was much older. She, I think she would have been a bit about in her uh, teens uh, when this uh, case happened. And she was also acting as Lord's Manfield's secretary at the time, so it's not like she would have never heard of it. So I'm going to tell you about the Zong Massacre, and it's really sad. <laughs> um, basically, the Zong Massacre was an insurance case, and I'm putting air quotes that you guys can't see be- over insurance because it's bullshit. Uh, It was an insurance case from some slave owners on a ship called the Zong, if you haven't figured that out. Uh, The Zong had been overcrowded, and the slavers claimed that there hadn't been enough water to make it to Jamaica, where they were headed. So they had to drown 142 slaves, uh, and they wanted the insurers to pay for the loss of the slaves. Uh, The thing was, the insurers were refusing to pay for uh, willingly sacrificed slaves and negligence. So, in the first trial, in one of the lower courts, uh, the slave owners actually won. However, a few months later, the case was retried again uh, in one of the higher courts, which is how Lord Mansfield got his hands on it. And uh, new evidence actually came up. Uh, So, apparently the ship passed several ports where they could have restocked on water, and uh, the crew overpacked the ship like I said, which caused a disease among the slaves. Um, The thing was, they took the risk anyway, and they knew if the slaves got sick, they were worth nothing, and that's why they were drowned and wanted the insurance to pay for their recklessness. However, Lord Mansfield did agree that the killing of the slaves would have been legal had the captain not lied about the water supply. In the end, Lord Mansfield did rule in favor of the insurers rather than the slavers. Uh... When Lord Mansfield ruled on both of these cases, there was a lot of talk that his niece was the reason he was so anti-slavery. Well, I think she was part of the reason. I also believe that Lord Mansfield was simply a man of the law who laid down justice where justice was due. Um, The case gained a lot of attention in the media and started to show the public the horrible realities of the slave trade because if you were just, like, a regular, like farmer in england like you weren't gonna know about like the horrible shit that the slave trade did because like it ran england like like i said it was their bread and butter it ran their whole economy so people just like gleefully ignored the slave trade but the zong case started to wake some people up and i'm sure it made dido shudder at the thought of the fact that this could have been her life if not for her father coming and taking her to her uncle Alright, so I'm just going to warn you guys, the 1780s and seven early 1790s are just not good years for Dido, like 2020 is being mean to us. So, in 1788, tragedy st- struck for Dido. Her father, unfortunately, ended up dying on his way back to London. He'd actually gotten pretty sick a couple months before, so he decided to go to the city of Bath as, like, a retreat so that he'd get better, and he had gotten better, but when he was coming back uh to London. He unfortunately died on the way at Marlborough. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh he was only fifty five years old. Uh we don't really know how Dido felt about her father's death. I'm sure she was like absolutely devastated. I mean if her father hadn't had such a demanding job and he hadn't been shipped off all around the world every five minutes, I'm sure he would have raised her himself. Um But it's also possible that they saw each other several times in her life. He did come back to England a lot. In fact, he even got married uh, in 1768 to a lady named Mary Milner. And uh, they had a house in London, actually. So uh, she may have visited her father and stepmother. Maybe he sent her letters and gifts from his journeys, like I talked about with the turban. Of course, I'm not sure about any of this, but I think it's kind of nice to think that he did. So... Um, in Captain Sir John Lindsay's will, he didn't leave Dido any money, which sounds really mean, but I'm gonna tell you why I don't think that, like, this was, like, a slap in the face. So, to be fair, Dido was more well-provided than any one of her siblings, like I talked about, by living with Lord Mansfield, so he probably wasn't all that concerned that she would need financial support. Um... One thing I did read, I don't know how true this is, that he wrote that when he was writing his will, like, a few years before, like, so he must have been, like, getting sick and he must have been thinking about his will, he actually asked his wife to watch out for his children, so I imagine, like, at some point, um, Dido's brother John must have gotten to England, and like I said, uh, Dido's sister Elizabeth was uh, her blood sister, this is a different Elizabeth, if you guys forgot, was living up in Scotland, so I actually wonder if, uh, Dido ever met any of her half-siblings, which uh, would have been interesting. So, after Dido's father's death, she kind of spent her final years at Kenwood, uh, the next couple of years would absolutely change Dido's life as the atmosphere she had grown up around began to change, Uh, Dido's absolute best friend and companion, Lady Elizabeth Murray, got married, and as far as we know, they didn't hang out nearly as much. Maybe Elizabeth's husband kept her from seeing Dido. Maybe they had grown apart. I tried to go down a rabbit hole about... Elizabeth, but there's, like, even less information on her and just about as little information on, uh, Elizabeth's husband, so I don't know what he thought about slavery, but, like, I have this, like, horrible idea that, like, he wouldn't let them see each other, which is sad. Um, pretty much right after this, Lady Mansfield died, which devastated Lord Mansfield, and after that, it was just kind of, Lord Mansfield and Dido just kind of chilling in Kedwin House, uh, she took care of uh, Lord Mansfield as he aged. She read him the paper in the morning, and they took walks around the garden together. And unfortunately, in 1793, Lord Mansfield died. In his will, he left Dido with a lump sum of money, which was like a pretty significant amount of money, and she got a hundred pounds a year as a pension, which is pretty good for the time period. And she actually even had her own bank account at one of England's uh, finest uh, banks, which is interesting that she had a bank account. Uh, also in his will, he gave Dido, who f- Dido her freedom. Um, he probably did this so that Dido wouldn't be sold into slavery after his death. After all, she she'd never been treated like a slave, of course. However, legally, she'd been one her whole life. Uh, so he, I guess he just wanted to make sure that, like, no one could, uh, sell her into slavery after he died, because he was very, I'm sure he was very concerned about that. All right, so let's talk about, uh, Dido and John Devineer. So, in the movie, John Devineer is treated very differently, so, like, John DeVinier, uh, in the movie, is, like, the son of, like, a priest or some shit, but, like, and he wanted- and he wanted to be a lawyer, but, like, that's just, like, not how it was, so, like, I'm gonna talk about it. Um, Dido left Kenwood House- in 1793 and she got herself a house in london with the money she had she was very financially secure because of her uncle which was chill um in 1793 she was about 32 years old which in that time period was far past marriageable age not to mention like who was gonna marry a mixed-race girl even if she had money and in comes john devinia so, uh, like I said, we, he was portrayed very wrong in the movie, uh, but the thing is, we really don't know m- much about old Johnny boy, but here's what I can tell you about him. Also, John cub. why are there so many Johns and Elizabeths in this story? God damn it, come up, there was one baby book, I'm sure, back then, and, like, it was just like Johns and Elizabeths. Anyway, uh, what I can tell you about John is that he was born in Normandy, France, uh, probably in November of 1768, which means Tito was a total cougar. He was 25 and she was 32. Um, he left France in the late 1780s just before the, uh, French Revolution. Uh, when he got to England, he worked his way up in the workforce as a valet and servant, which was kind of like a head butler. Like, if you've ever seen Downton Abbey, uh, that might explain it better for you. Um, no one really knows how, uh, he and Dido would have met at all, but what seems likely is that the Murray or the Ramsey family would have been involved in, like, some way. Uh, we do know that this guy, Alan Ramsey, had a portrait painted of this guy named the called the 6th Earl of Coventry in the 1760s, and Dido's marriage entry provided us with kind of like a snippet of information in the shape of one of the witnesses at their wedding, Uh, was this guy John Coventry, who was the third son of that same 6th Earl of Coventry, who owned a townhouse on Piccadilly, so it seems likely that they, that, this would have been, uh, who John initially worked for as a steward, so, uh, that might have been how they met other- another witness was Dido's close friend, uh, Martha Darnell, and I tried to look shit about her, but, like, I couldn't find, like, a single thing on, uh, Martha at all, and I didn't even know that Dido had any, uh, close friends, um, so we actually do know their marriage date, which is pretty nice, uh, in November 5th, 1793, Dido married John- uh, Diviner at St. George's, uh, Hanover Square, uh, it's interesting, like, she got married, like, barely, like, Lord Mansfield died in March, and she got married in November, so, like, that was fast. Uh, George, St. George's Hanover Square is actually, like, it's not, like, this, like, big church, but it's, like, a cute little, uh, quaint church, and I think it was, uh, very beautiful. Actually, um, kind of coincidentally, on the same day, uh, that they got married, another couple got married, and this couple was Prince Augustus, who was the son of George III of fucking England, uh, he actually married one of Dido's other cousins, uh, Lady Augusta Murray, although the marriage was actually annulled a year later, because the prince didn't ask his father's permission, there's, like, this whole thing that, like, uh, George III's sons were, like, all really famous for, like, marrying, uh, women that their father didn't say yes to, and there was, like, this whole, like, marriage act where you, like, had to ask permission from the sovereign to marry, and, like, a whole bunch of George III's sons, like, didn't do that, so, like, that happened. Um, I really wish I could tell you guys more about what they thought of one another. We just really don't have any documentation on their married life. Um one thing that, like, I kind of, like, guessed is about they would have had a common language, uh, together. So, like, I said, Dido probably spoke some, uh, French, and, uh, John was from France, so I imagine they might have, like, spoke, uh, in French together. Um, they were married for about 11 years, and in that time, they had three children. Yay, babies! So, about two years after the wedding in 1795, they had their first son, Charles de Venier, and Dido had a kid at the age of Thirty nine, which is like bonkers for the time period, because most people thought like women were like past childbearing age. Like even today, having a kid at thirty nine is like still kind of pretty bonkers. Um, in eighteen hundred, she gave birth to twin boys, who she named uh, William Thomas and John, probably after her husband or her father or maybe even both. Um, unfortunately, in eighteen o two, her son John did pass away when he was only. Uh, two years old from an unknown illness. Uh, I'm going to call it 18th century causes because you could die from a paper cut in this time period. Um, I imagine it was a huge blow to Dido. She was apparently a very loving mother to her boys. And I imagine she would probably wanted children, like, for a very long time. And she probably never thought that she'd ever get married or be able to have children. Um, unfortunately for her, in 1804, 1804- Died of herself, passed away at her home in London. She was only 43. Um, I'm not quite sure what she died of. I tried to find out, but all it says on the internet is she died of natural causes, which is really fucking stupid because, like, no one dies of natural causes at the age of 43. Like, she must have had some sort of sickness that, like, just like no one wrote down or documented because she was a woman and they don't document shit about women uh she was buried at st george's field um her grave was moved at some point no one's quite sure where her body is now which is unfortunate um okay so after dido's death john basically raised uh, other children together and had them actually very well educated uh he stayed single until until about 1808 so about four years after uh dido's death uh where he met miss jane holland they had actually two children together before they were married a boy and a Girl, um, I actually think, I actually think one of their uh, daughters was actually named Elizabeth. Which, for God's sakes, we're tired of the name. Eventually, they did get married in eighteen nineteen, and they moved to France, where they both died in uh, eighteen uh, forty seven. Um, actually, one thing I did read about, uh, John Davenier's like uh, other son with his other wife was, like, that the guy, like, might have been insane, like, he might have, like, gone to an insane asylum, like, apparently he was, like, bonkers and shit, which is, like, weird family secret. Um, after, uh, I believe after, uh, John DeVinier got married to Jane Holland, died his boys, actually moved out because they were, like, a lot older, uh, now, and, they got, eventually got married, and I believe they both had children. Uh, we do know that William Thomas, uh, had a daughter named Emily Devineer. At some point, I don't believe Emily had any children. Uh, both of her boys actually ended up joining the East India Trading Company and became sailors, much like Dido's, uh, father did. Both of her sons would actually live to see the abolition of slavery in the British Empire in 1833, and they also both lived to see the end of slavery in the in America. Uh, both boys died in the 1870s. Uh, the last of Dido's descendants, uh, was actually a man named Harold Devenier, who died in South Africa in 1975 with, uh, no children. And according to his death record, he was, uh, reported to have been very pale, in complexion, so, like, he had black ancestry, but he happened to be very pale, so, uh, I believe he was descended from, um, Charles de uh, Dido's oldest son, and, um, I'm not, I, I just read that Charles, uh, got married and he had children. It didn't say the name of his wife or the name of any of his children. (sighs) Okay, so now I kind of want to, I kind of want to switch gears and be a film critic right now because uh the the film on Dido's life is kind of what started my interest in her in the first place. I believe it was about twenty fifteen when Bell arrived on Netflix, and I was like, "Ooh, that's interesting." So I watched it and I loved it. I don't believe it's on uh, Netflix anymore. I had to buy it so I could rewatch it uh, for this. Uh. But it might be on other countries' Netflix, so, like, definitely uh, go search it up. It's called Belle. Um, I just want to say I'm not a film critic, so this is just kind of my opinion. Like I said, I don't really want to spoil it too much for anyone, because it's really fantastic, even though it's not that historically accurate. But I honestly don't mind it because of, like, some stellar performances. So first I want to just praise um, Gugu uh, Mabatha. Raw. I'm not sure if that's how uh, you pronounce her name. I'm very sorry if I mispronounced it. I want to praise her for her performance as Dido because she, like, really absolutely brought uh, Dido to life for me. For someone we don't know very much about, she really made her uh, feel real, and she played off being a part of two uh, worlds uh, very well and kind of like the conflict that you'd uh, feel Well, being that, you might know Gugu from, uh, she was in Beauty and the Beast. She played, like, the feather uh, duster. She voiced that. I believe she was in, oh, God, what is it? The, she was in Concussion with Will Smith, which is really good. She's been in a lot of good stuff. You should definitely go and watch her stuff. Uh, I also want to praise Sam Reed's performance as John DeVineer, even though John DeVineer was, like, completely butchered in terms of like personality and like they made him an Englishman in this movie when he was actually from France which kind of pisses me off now that I know that um while the relationship had to mostly like be fictionalized to fit into the movie story uh they they still did a good job and like Sam Reed and Goo 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 made me like fall in love with them as a couple I also want to give a Special asshole award to Tom Felton who played uh the fake aristocrat James Ashford. James Ashford wasn't a real uh guy in uh history, but he was a real douchebag in this movie. Um, and Tom played him perfectly, which isn't surprising because he plays people like this all the time. <coughs> Draco Malfoy. <coughs> um Yeah, you know, I wish Tom Felton would just get like good guy roles, but to be fair, if he got a good guy role I'd just be like waiting for him to try turn every other second uh i also want to talk about sarah gordon who played lady elizabeth murray uh because sh- elizabeth is just someone we just don't have that much information on it must have been really hard for uh sarah to uh play her so i just got to give her praise there and i also want to talk about uh tom wilkinson who played lord mansfield uh very well he gave off like a very caring uh, atmosphere and how much he loved and respected dido and also played the part well of a of a man who believed uh that the justice system works and how I I forgot to talk about Lord Mansfield was like very influential in terms of modernizing the justice system. And I think Tom Wilkinson like played that uh really well. Alright, so I just kinda wanna go into like the last thing I wanna talk about, like Dido's legacy. Because like I think that like she was a bit more influential than people really ever give her credit for um she was just like a blip on the historical radar there were tons of mixed kids all over the world just like her who never got the opportunity she had and somehow she ended up in the house of one of the most powerful men of england and she may have even been instrumental in the eventual abolition of slavery in the british empire and i just think that is so cool so cheers to her and her memory Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you wanted to hear about a certain lady, just DM me on Twitter at Long May She Reign2. And remember, Long May She Rain. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.